All right. Good evening. Great to be with you guys. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. Good to be in Montana. It's been a long time since I've been in Montana. I didn't say that last night. So uh, good to be with you guys tonight. Yeah. What was that? Oh, yeah. I'll put the water there. Yeah. Have all sorts of places we need to put these things. You appreciate the worship team? That's not an easy thing to do. I think everybody in the church should try and lead worship at least once, <laughs> so you won't criticize. <laughs> Maybe preach too, you know. You got you to gotta be really careful in any area where you, if, as soon as you think you can do something better than someone and you've never done it, it's just that little fox of dishonor that's trying to get in. <laughs> it's amazing the experts we have inside the church. who have never done it. It's kind of like most of our congressmen and senators, right? <laughs> I normally don't say, well, I do, but not as much as, anyway. So good to be with you guys tonight. Um, we have a resource table to tell you about that real quick. Uh, you should buy everything back there. Yes. It's not a joke, but if you want to laugh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, told you about my book last night. I believe that what God, is, what God does for individuals, he wants to do for cities, regions, and nations. He completely redeems you. In fact, your, whole, your old life was so bad, he nailed it to a tree. Yeah. It's right, even if you don't say it's right. <laughs> And so he, he not only gives you a new identity, but in, we'll talk about it a little more tonight, he completely delivers you from this world system. Now, you can still participate if you want, but you don't have to. <laughs> Gets real quiet, too, when you say that. Ugh, having some sound issues, but we'll work through it. Be nice to the sound man. Is that what it is? Where's the handheld? Is that maybe what's it? It's off. All right. We'll work through it. But you get delivered of this world system and anything that you would need to participate in it. I was talking with... Um, it's a reverb, huh? Yeah. Testing... Yeah. Don't, don't they always check through the Iron Gettys? Yeah. That's a separate system. How is like, the building now? How are we doing now? There we go. Thank you, Lord. Because I, I grew up outside New York City, and I tend to talk with my hands. <laughs> talk with my hands like that. But we see the power of what God wants to do in the earth. See, God's not after a nice meeting. God's not after even everyone in your city getting saved. God is after the earth looking like heaven. You got to understand what God's after to pursue what God's after and then receive what God's after. And if you don't have the vision that God has, you'll never receive what he wants to do. 
If you don't have a vision for your life beyond where you're at right now, then it's likely you'll never live in it because you can't live beyond where you're thinking or receiving. You can, we, we can, I've learned walking with the Lord, you can say amen to everything, but unless your mind and your heart are in agreement with that, you will probably, the Lord spoke to me about a year and a half ago about money. He said, most people, won't, most people in the body of Christ can't receive the amount of money I'd like to give them because they'd never receive it. <laughs> Kingdom of God is about the ability to, we, we, we've done in some places real good at giving but the ability to receive everything that God has for us is way beyond even your greatest prophetic word. So, I don't know why I said that, but anyway, it's back there. Uh, and also, we'll touch on a few of these things tonight. Uh, we're going to continue tonight, at least in the teaching portion, talking about faith. And last year, last October, my pastor and I did a whole, uh, it's about, about 10 hours of teaching on the subject of faith. And what was amazing, I love working with different people and I don't ever like to put restrictions on guests that I bring in or, or tell them where to go. And I finished and he started and we didn't talk to each other. So uh, faith is pretty important if without it you can't please God. <laughs> you can't do anything without faith. Sometimes I got to go to bed by faith because my mind is constantly thinking. You know, I got to kind of shut it off. Like So uh, this is a little... Some of what I'm talking about tonight, but a little expanded in some other parts. And then uh, we also have a series on, called God's Creative Power. The word that God speaks to us, both the written word and the rhema word, will do everything God says it will do. The reason sometimes it doesn't produce what it's called to produce is because Jesus teaches us in Matthew 13 of what happened when the word is sown. And even if it produces a hundredfold return, there will still always be a challenge to what God intends to do with that word. And so the, 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 the measuring is never on God's part. It's not like, oh, I said that not, might, might work, it might not work. It will always work. It's just our ability to cooperate what he said. And also, the reason many people will reject it is because it comes in seed form. And we live in a very fast-paced world. I mean, you think about it, it's kind of an odd world we live in, right? You can order food at one end and you can get it two minutes later. Yeah. We, we, we have banks where you don't have to leave your car <laughs> to bank. And so we live in this very fast-paced world of things moving quickly. But uh, in the kingdom, sometimes it's quick, 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 stop, process, impartation, process, some things might, not only, might only take 20 years. Some things might take 30 years. You know, some things might take two weeks. It's just, are you willing to let that seed do everything it, God intends it to do? So anyway, so that's back there, God's creative power. Also, uh, speaking God's language, you get to dictate how your world looks through the words you speak. Don't like something in your world? Start saying something different. And part of, uh, culture's not bad. I said that last night. Culture's not bad. It's just if your culture or your family upbringing or your whatever, whatever it may be, your influence has a greater influence on you than the kingdom of God. And we've come to accept so many things as believers that we define ourselves by the seasons of the world and not by what God has said. You know, 
as just in Cincinnati last weekend, you know, there's, it's allergy season, you know, we gotta, it's going to get real bad out there. Language of the world. You know, the older we get, you know, we just get these things in our body. Still haven't found that one in the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I, I might slow down a little bit, but I intend to live all the days of my life with all my faculties. Because that's my promise. I, I mean, I, I'm like, I just want everything God has for me. So... All right, why don't we pray? Let's just lift our hands. Thank you, Lord, for everything you want to do tonight. Thank you for what you've already done. And Father, tonight we come into alignment with your divine purpose for this room. I know who this is, but the Lord is healing somebody's neck. You have like a pain in your neck. It's like a crook or something, but the Lord's healing you right now. Fire of God's on your neck. So be healed in Jesus' name. Father, we focus our attention upon you, and we submit ourselves to the will of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, I need your help. Without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. Put your words in my mouth. Thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here. Thank you for the angel of fire. Thank you for the angel of revelation. Give people ears to hear and eyes to see. And we receive in advance everything you want to do. Would you just repeat this with me? Say, Father, Father, I receive receive everything you have for me tonight. tonight. No matter what it looks like, like. I'll be a fool for you. you. I make myself of no reputation to receive what you have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry, we ate lunch today, but what is your name? Pastor Brian, I didn't get your wife's name. Oh, you probably told me and I didn't remember. I know faces. Uh, You have a very strong prophetic gift and discernment on your life. And uh, the reason I say prophetic gift is when you walked in tonight to the prayer room upstairs, I saw this angel going with you. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, he's going to open your eyes as never before to see the unseen realm and teach you how to cooperate with that. And out of that place, your prophetic gifting is going to explode. There's a prophetic teaching gift on your life. And the Lord says, open your mouth in this season. He's going to fill it like never before. And I see your heart. And... um, Reminded of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart, and you shall see God. When I said that word, shall see God, I saw a door open for you as never before into the very present. Oh, you're very hungry too. And the Lord says, the next three years, you will taste and see the goodness of the Lord as never before. And there's an angel pouring like oil all over you. It's hot. It's refreshing. And the Lord's going to even interrupt your dreams as never before. He's going to speak to you in the night as never before. And he is very, very pleased with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Where'd the baby go? The baby behind me went downstairs. 
Does he belong to you? He, how old is he? Eight months. Now, the reason I ask you is because I was in Pittsburgh in January, and um, I prayed that the Steelers would lose, because <laughs> I was going the next week, so, you know, Steelers are God, you know, I chose God, <laughs> but there was a couple I was ministering to, and I... The, 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 this young couple and the, the, the gal was pregnant and the Lord began to speak to me about children being born in this generation. That there's a Daniel generation that God is raising up in the earth. That we have... Uh, you guys married, I guess? Yeah. yeah. How long have you been married? <laughs> Usually it's the wife that knows what that one. But there's... You're what? You're not technically married. Then you're not married. But that can, we can work on that. I'm an ordained minister. I can help you with that. <laughs> Covenant's not covenant until you say I do. I don't mean, I mean, I, I, you said you were. So I just technically, technically you are, or you're, you know, you aren't. So it's like, are you born again or not? So, but there's a, there's a requirement upon children being born, like, and I, and I have the sense, it's like the next two or three years, but the Lord is raising up a Daniel generation. And I see, like, these children being born in this season that uh, we have this mandate as the people of God right now to raise them in things. And what I'm saying, that I see, like, this slingshot that this whole generation of children will do the works of God as never before, as no other generation, and they will, they will, uh, they will, the Lord, the Lord says they will disciple nations. Yes. Hallelujah. Bless you. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. My friend with the, the beard back there. I just, there's like a, a prophetic, really strong prophetic anointing the Lord is stirring up. And also, I, I don't know if you journal or write, but there's a scribe anointing on your life to write as never before, because uh, the Lord is going to give you messages for the state of Montana as never before. You're, you're a watchman. You're a watchman. Who's this next to you? Your wife? Girl, that's good. How long you guys been married? Yeah. An intelligent man. You're not, you're, you're, you're really married, right? You're not technically married? <laughs> huh? Four years. You have a... Forty. Forty. Oh, that's a miracle. Man. No, that is. Lord Jesus. Longer than I've been alive anyway. But uh, years, when I was ministering that to him, you got a really strong healing gift. And words of knowledge are going to begin to flow in your life as never before. But there's also this promise of restoration that God has given you. Something was stolen from you. And the Lord's promise is, I'll restore everything that the enemy has taken from you in this season. Yeah, yeah what's your name? The green. Mine? Yeah. Kathy. Kathy. Kathleen. You're the only one with the green in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, writing the, he's recording it. He's doing an excellent job back oh, there. Yeah, he's recording it all. Green means life and newness of life. Uh, you have a grace for intercession. And you haven't... Whoa, whoa. Ooh, I feel stuff. You haven't understood the power that God has given you through the gift that's in your life. 
And the Lord says, I'm going to teach you about the authority that resides in the prayers that you speak. Because even as I'm saying that, I see that you have prevented accidents. You've prevented different things through the prayers that even in the middle of the night as God has woken you up. But the Lord's going to increase that as never before. And I believe that the Lord showed you this outpouring of the Spirit that's coming. And the Lord says, I'm going to allow you to see the beginning of that. You will see the beginning of the prayers that you've prayed. And he's very, very pleased with you. You have children? Yes. How many children do you have? Three stepchildren and you have, three daughters. Do you have grandchildren? Yes. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. You pray good prayers for them. That's good. Yeah. You've prayed some prayers that have caused them to come into alignment. What's your name in the yellow? Diane. Diane? Diane, Jesus is touching your ears right now. And he's touching your ears to hear as never before. You're a very intentional woman. And what I mean by intentional, you like very, like very, very specific. And the Lord is going to give you, be really specific with you in this season. You're at a crossroads in your life. And the Lord is going to make it very, very clear the direction that he has for you. It's, a new, it's, a, it's, it's not completely different, but it's like a new rhythm that he's adding to the purpose of God for your life. And... Um, He's putting glasses on you, Holy Spirit glasses, so you can see him as never before. You really love him, and he's good. you're going to encounter him as never before. There's a door of encounter into his beauty, into his presence coming upon your life right now. And I don't know what this is. I don't know if you have any sickness in your body, but the fire of God's going down your neck, down your legs, and in your arms, and just releasing his goodness to you. And the Lord wants you to know that he's with you, and he's for you, and he has not forsaken you. And I don't know what this is. There's like a, a wind he's releasing over you that's breaking off rejection. There were words spoken over you as a child, and I break the power of those words in the name of Jesus. I break where rejection has stolen the fruit of the goodness of God for you. And I say you are set free tonight by the word of the Lord to be and to do everything God has called you to do. Ashaka Bukaya. What's your name? Keith. What do you do? Uh, retired electrician. Retired electrician. Cool. You're not retired. <laughs> you have a strong prophetic gift of discernment on your life. And I believe that it's functioned and you've just known it like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't feel very good about that person. It's a gift of discernment that operates in your life. And it's going to come alive as never before for you. you got healing on your hands. And you have influence with unsaved people. The Lord says, open your mouth and I'll, I'll cause the words out of your mouth to hit the mark as never before. In the white, you were here last night. You have a really strong prophetic call on your life. Really strong prophetic call to the nation's call on your life. There they are. Thank you very much. It's kind of you. I go through about three bottles of water, not because I finish it. I just kept putting them different places. I just said I get different ones. <laughs> somebody's right knee, the Lord is healing somebody's right knee. You might not feel anything, but by the end of the night, your right knee will be completely made whole. 
Okay, do you have your Bibles tonight? I love the Word of God. I know, I know with prophetic people, and we're all prophetic people, amen? New Testament people. With prophetic people or sometimes, you know, we want to like, what is God saying? And I'm, you know, I'm cool with that. I like that. I like figuring that out. But often, I'm still trying to do what he said in the book, and I'm trying to do it well. So this book is the greatest book that has been ever written. It's a bestseller because if you'll read it, it will change your life. Not just read it, but meditate on it. Put it in your heart. Let it dig down deep inside of you and transform you. Not only transform you, but it will transform nations. There's a, a, a great book, I encourage everyone in this room to read it, uh, The Book That Changed the World by Lauren Cunningham. It's about the Bible's ability to change nations. And there's this particular tribe that they come to, and they've never heard the word of God. And they gather, and all they do is publicly read the word of God. And, and one person's witness was this. They said, it was like a waterfall that came on us. And they, people just began to weep as the, with the public reading of the word of God. And there's people, you, you know, like sometimes... I, the part of the problem with sometimes humanity is that we judge the world based upon the time period that we live in. And so there's a tendency sometimes for people to say, oh, it's the church. Is really, you know, things are really bad right now in the church. Hey, I'm not saying we don't have any challenges. I'm just saying this is the greatest time to be alive. Hallelujah. There was a time where when you came to church, you didn't understand anything that they were saying. And they were standing this way the old mass, and it was Latin. It wasn't tongues, and there was no interpretation. <laughs> there was a time that the only church in the world, God's church, thought, the leaders thought, it was, it was idolatry to put the word of God in your hands. They said, how can we put it in their hands? You know, Martin Luther said, and he said this. He said, I became dangerous when they let me read the Bible. So that, that is a valuable book, beyond valuable. Valuable doesn't even spell it out. So how many were here last night? All right. If you weren't here last night, we'll do a short review. We were going to do a short review anyway. But, and for those who were backslidden, we welcome you tonight. And we say that there's room at the cross. No, just joking. <laughs> just having fun. With just seeing if you're alive. But we began last night, and we, we titled it The Foundations of Faith. So if you have your Bible, our, our, our base text is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, and we'll look at this a little deeper, hopefully, in a few moments. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And I won't read, I won't read all the verses. We'll just skip on to verse 6 for the sake of time. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we said last night, Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the substance, and substance means the ultimate reality that underlines all outward manifestations and change. 
And we began to look at this concept of faith in Genesis chapter one, and we underscored the, the, uh, the idea that's important, I believe, for a biblical worldview for every believer, and it's this, that to understand God, you have to start in the book of Genesis and go through the cross of Jesus to Revelation. You cannot understand the new unless you understand the foundation that is built in the old. Very, very important. And God is kind in the old, and he's kind in the new. I know sometimes, kind of sometimes people teach like he's not a schizophrenic God. In fact, he, he never opposes himself. Some people think, well, he was the God of the law, now he's the God of grace. No, he was, he, he, he was the God who gave the law. So when he comes, Jesus is not contradicting. In fact, he says, I came to what? Fulfill the law. What he came against was, what he came against was a system that he never intended that tried, that added things to the law and in fact got to the place where their interpretation of the law became more important than the law itself. That's called legalism. But what's interesting there is even the Pharisees, their motive and their desire was good, that they wanted to teach the nation how best to follow the law, and so they added stuff to it. I've met those people, the critics of revival, but that's a different story. But their motive was good, the thinking was incorrect, so it, pro- it produced a perverted system. Just because your motive is good, if your motive is good but your thinking is incorrect, you will pro- produce perverted behavior. Often people tell me, well, they, their motives are nice. I'm not questioning their motives. It's not, it's not, it is, it is not, I'm not in a position to understand what, what motivates people. And that, that the enemy loves for you to judge somebody's motive because if you can judge somebody's motive, then you can, anyway, it's a different story. But the point being is just because you have good motives, good motives don't change the world. Right thinking does. I don't know why I said all that, but... We start in Genesis and we saw that when time began, God created the heavens and the earth and God, who is a spirit, according to John 4, we saw that he spoke the universe into existence, that the God who is not seen defines the seen realm and he speaks the universe into existence through his words. And we saw that he spoke over and over again. Then we looked extensively at uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 31, and we saw that the creation of man was the paramount to, to God's creation in, of the world. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. And we looked at a few characteristics out of there. Number one, we saw that man was made in the image and likeness of God. We said that man was given an aspect of God's personality. And the closest thing to God on the earth was supposed to be Adam. The second thing we saw uh, from the book of Genesis was that... Um, in verse 26, a divine, a divine change took place when God put, he made this phrase. He said, you are over all the earth, over all the earth, over all the earth, over all the earth. And we saw from that moment forward, and what you'll see, uh, why it's so essential that we learn how to walk by faith and grow in faith, is that from that moment forward, God would need human agreement to fulfill his will upon the earth. And it doesn't explain everything, but it does tell us that God is not in control of everything happening on the earth right now. 
Sometimes we comfort ourselves with this kind of weird Christian thing. Well, brother, God's in control. When we, when we, when we see things that we can't explain or a tragedy or different things like that. And I like what a good pastor friend of mine said. He said, if God's in control, he's not doing a very good job right now. It's a joke, but it's actually true. And we saw that in verse 28, that he blessed them. And we said that the blessing of God was divine empowerment to live an abundant life and, to, and, and, it, and it articulated God's desire for humanity. That he came, that humanity would live an absolute life in him. And then we also saw that in verse 28, that, that it said, God said to him, the very first voice Adam would hear would be the voice of God. And that voice of God qualified him to be the owner of the earth. He qualified him to be the owner of the earth. And then we saw that um, the final characteristic we saw that was vitally important there, it was this, that, that humanity was not created to take care of itself. No one in this room was created to take care of yourself. Though you had a free choice, you were not supposed to be uh, uh, independent of yourself. Then we moved on to uh, 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 Genesis 2, verse 19, where we saw that as God created the universe through speaking, Adam named the animals, and he speaks, he calls forth the characteristics that those animals were supposed to be. And we saw, we, we looked there, at a key characteristic, and the reason we looked at all these characteristics, because every characteristic that God gave to humanity at creation, it is relevant and is applicable to everything we are in Christ today. We saw that it was, it was God who brought the animals to Adam, and Adam saw those animals, and he named those animals. And we saw that one of the characteristics I want to emphasize there is this, that the earth is not telling humanity what to do. Humanity is governing the earth through the word of God. And it also defines how humanity was supposed to relate to God and how humanity was supposed to walk on the earth. Humanity was not created to live in response to everything that takes place. Humanity was to define the world through the lens of God. And we saw in Genesis, the third chapter, we didn't look at it, but we talked about it, that even though they're made perfect, they have a choice and they listen to the wrong voice. I want to look at something uh, from, uh, I want to look at a concept that I didn't touch that last night, but you have a perfect man, a perfect woman, and they are placed in this garden to take care of it. They're naming the animals. They're living out what God intended them to live. Uh, the, the, the one concept that is also important is this, that humanity, because it wasn't created to take care of itself, excuse me, was not ever intended to live with worry, fear, doubt. It was never intended to have any of those things come upon it. It was supposed to live this free flow of life as it, as it looked to God as its source for all things. It could receive everything it needed, and it never had to be concerned with anything about its future because its future wasn't God, and it was created to live forever. That's a good life. Genesis 3, the enemy comes in the form of a serpent, Eve, instead of subduing as God told her to do, and notice there too the power of 
choice that God gives to humanity. God gives you the choice of what you will agree with. Notice there, they're about to make the worst mistake in human history. You can't get any worse than Adam's mistake, and God doesn't step in and go, stop it, this is going to be really bad, don't do this. You know, and some people are like, you know, well, I was just thinking if God didn't want me to do it, he would have stepped in. What is that? You're putting responsibility on God that God has given you responsibility for. Oh, excuse me. That pulpit's in the way. They agree with the wrong voice. What was the only voice they were supposed to agree with? The only voice they were supposed to agree with was the voice of God. They come into agreement with the wrong voice, and the DNA of man is corrupted, and the DNA of earth is corrupted. And you will see how sin steals dignity from humanity. The owners of the earth are now looking inward, and they're trying to put a fig tree to dress themselves. That's disgraceful. DNA of man is corrupted, DNA of the earth is corrupted, and a system comes into place called the Babylonian system. The Babylonian system is this, is man's way of trying to make it in this world without God. And man, because they're made in the image of God, has this instinct desire to to create this world that only can be found in the kingdom of God. I was in uh, Romania last year, and I I was teaching a little bit about this concept, and there was an older man sitting on the front row, and I said, sir, how long have you lived in this nation? And he told me, and I said, do you remember when communism fell? He said, oh, yes, I do. And he said, but... Our desire or what we thought would happen never was realized. Why? Because every philosophy, every theory, everything that man can do can only be found in God. So man is on this search for what was only originally found in the garden. And the search is found in Jesus and the life is found in the kingdom of God. There's something that happened though that I want to point out last night that is exceedingly important to us. It's this, that when Eve, Adam and Eve came into agreement, the innocence of humanity was forever lost from that moment forward. What do I mean by that? They were never supposed to have a concept of what evil and sin were, ever, all the days of their life. They would have no concept of what sin was. All they were supposed to do is all the days of their life live in the goodness and the kindness of God. The reason I say that is because What we'll see in our process of walking with God is God wants to completely restore humanity's innocence beyond even the innocence Adam and Eve had before the fall. The Lord began to teach me a little bit about this concept of innocence because uh, I I have some brilliant parents, really good parents. You know, one of the greatest things I can ever say about my parents is this. I can never look at them and go, you didn't put God first. My parents love God with all their heart. Do you know what a question that was never asked in my family? Like some people say as a dumb question. This just wasn't even asked in my family is, are we going to church on Sunday? And do I have to go? Because my parents were my parents. They were not my friends. (laughs) And they did not believe in developing my (laughs) self-esteem. 
They told me when I was wrong. You know, I know not everyone grew up like, like this, but in my family, like, I, I found this fascinating when I went to college. Like, I realized not every family, they just let it all out. Like, so I, I would ask my friends, like, so are your parents upset? I don't really know. And that concept did not exist in my parents' house. If you did something wrong, it wasn't like, there was no passive aggressive. They're like, you did this wrong, and we'd move on with our lives. We put it all out on the table. There was never anything misunderstood in our home. Now, you could get offended, but at least you knew where everyone stood. But my mom grew up one of 12 in Puerto Rico on a farm. And my grandfather was a preacher. I have amazing history in the supernatural. And my grandfather uh, raised 12 kids, and my mom grew up holy, pure, in the things of God. She grew up classic Pentecostal. And my mom, when she got married, she was a virgin. And in the environment that she grew up in, she has no concept of certain things. When I remember I was probably seven years old, and I even had some concept of it. I didn't understand it all, but I knew some people are a little different. My mom was commenting to my dad at one time, and she's not a perfect woman. I'm just using this as an example. She made this comment to my dad. She said, isn't it nice? There was two gentlemen living together somewhere. I think they had cats. Maybe that's just me adding a story. But, but she commented to my dad. She said, isn't it nice that those two young men are living together and waiting for their spouses? They were not waiting for their spouses. But in my mom's mind, no one would ever do anything like what they were involved in. The reason I'm saying that is I believe that there's a purity that God is releasing through the body of Christ where we have no knowledge of certain things, even if we've had traumatic experience, even if we had experiences contrary to certain things, but there is a purity that God is releasing and wants to give the body of Christ Thank that you. we will break through and only see the knowledge yes, of God. Sir. Yes. You know, it's fascinating, right? Jesus cast out demons in front of him. Now we create church services so people are comfortable in their demons. Fascinating stuff, right? I want to love everyone in front of me, but I want to love the hell out of them. And if you're struggling with something, if you got a struggle, you've been in the body of Christ, no shame, no blame, find somebody safe. I'm not one of those people who are going to just, just tell anybody, no, 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 don't do that. I'm not going to lie to you. Some people can't handle what you've done or are doing. I'm an honest man. I'll tell you the truth, but find a safe person. Yeah. Find a safe person that won't bring your name up in the prayer group. You know, we need to pray for them. But they, they know how to get you free. Take responsibility for it. Don't blame your third grade teacher. Don't blame your ex-wife. Don't Just take responsibility for it and get free of that thing. Jesus came to free you from every encumberment, every struggle, every, every addiction, every, everything that would keep in front of you. He came to set you free from that foul thing. But you know what I noticed too? You got to know that it's not good for you. You can't like Goliath to get free of Goliath. So many people like their pet Goliath still. 
Oh, it ain't that bad. No, you just wait. He'll take that front porch, and before you know it, he'll have your whole, your whole house bankrupt. So many people I meet. Didn't it, you know, it doesn't start at the end. It starts with a little... Because he's a thief, and he doesn't play fair, and he's a legalist. So it's the beauty that we emphasized last night, too, is this. That the paradise that God intended for humanity, his passion for us, his plan for the, the, the human race did not change even though they made some mistakes. God can win with any hand. It severely altered his plan, but his desire for humanity remained the same. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus had already stepped ahead. Revelation 13, 8. The lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. That means before this thing turned the wrong way, Jesus already knew, this is my mission. And we stopped, we went a little pit stop at Genesis, the 12th chapter, where we saw that God made covenant with a man. And he makes covenant with the man, and it's eventually the covenant with the nation of Israel. But he finds a man, notice he starts with the man and a woman, and then he finds a man that he makes covenant for the express purpose of being a blessing to the nations of the earth. And it shows his heart is not just for individuals. His heart is for the yes. redemption of yes. nations. Yeah. And we fast forward that Jesus comes. And one of the significant things about the life of Jesus that's exceedingly important for us is this. That Jesus came as not only the second Adam, but he came as the last Adam. Every, every, the passion for humanity that God intended for Adam is, 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 is displayed in the life of Jesus. Jesus was sinless. Jesus was completely dependent upon his father. A lot, sometimes believers think that Jesus just came here and just did whatever he wanted. That's not how this thing worked. He is fully God, fully man, according to Philippians 2. But he empties himself of his divinity, and everything he does except that resurrection from the dead is as a man, number one, filled with the Spirit and in right relationship with God. How do we know that it was possible for Adam to walk on water? Because Jesus walked on water. And when Jesus came, we know that he... He did not come to start a religion. He came to show us the kingdom of God. He came to deliver the world, humanity, from the system, the Babylonian system of man's way of trying to make it in his world. And the emphasis of his teaching and his preaching. Notice, almost every time he taught, he would say the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he would reveal, he would, he would reveal truth in parables. Why? Because he would, the, those truths that he was revealing, he, it was not given for the casual seeker. It was not given for those who just kind of wanted to be around him. You had to really listen and apprehend that truth and then kind of lean into that truth to really understand what he was saying. And he didn't explain it either. He'd say things like, you can eat my body and drink my blood. Half the people walk away from him. Notice that he attracted a crowd, but he didn't, his, his goal was not to keep the crowd. Fascinating stuff. He didn't call a committee and go, hey, let's have an apostolic council to explain that theological premise that you just said. He just said things. Part of, you know, part of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ 
is the ability to still follow when you don't understand everything that's, that he's saying to you. It's another part about faith. And we saw that part of that essential element that Jesus came to give to humanity. Well, we see this, but let's just look at this. John chapter 5. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, this is John 5, verse 19. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. A, 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 few, pull things, a few things from there. Notice that Jesus is not on his own agenda. Jesus is completely dependent upon the Father to fulfill the mission that God had given him. So he recognizes his dependency upon Jesus. But the reason he recognizes his dependency upon Jesus, he knows if I follow the Father, if I trust the Father, interchangeable, if I have faith in the plan of the Father, everything that he's asked me to do, he's already resourced me to do. That's why you never see Jesus. How are we going to pay the bill for this crusade? What are we going to do here? How are we going to eat? He's never concerned about any of those things. He's simply concerned with trusting everything the Father tells him to do. And notice, he also says, I only do what I see my Father doing. That's kind of fascinating. No one else saw what the Father was doing. So apparently... He's seeing from a different perspective. He's seeing from an unseen realm, and what he is seeing is affecting how he operates, and how he operates tra transform the world forever. And Jesus is the model son. And then he teaches us. We, we, we delved into this. How, how, how he tells us that in Hebrews 11, we have the rest of the story there, that without faith, it's impossible to please him. But then he teaches us in Mark, the 11th chapter, that God actually moves in faith, and the same faith that God moves in, he gives as a gift to all of humanity. Romans 12, we'll read it again. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought, but to think soberly as God. Notice also there that God is the initiator. And notice there that there's not anything you can do to, to uh, any good work that you can do to receive faith. It just comes by virtue of you living on the earth. Every human being is given the measure of faith to respond to the gospel message. But God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Why is that important? Because part of walking in faith is receiving faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved. How? Through faith. Not of yourselves. It is what? A gift of God. It's a gift that you got to receive. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk therein. And then we, we, we began to kind of close last night where we emphasize what biblical faith was. And biblical faith is not simply believing something's true. It's not simply going, oh yeah, I know that Jesus is a prophet. Yes, I know he died on a cross. Oh yes, I know he did miracles. Yes, I know he's a healer. Biblical faith, because we said that God has faith, and we saw that his faith operated in the creation of the world. 
And we said that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are a community within themselves. And in this community, they, when they go, we're going to create the world, they don't doubt it's going to happen. And they're moving in faith, they're moving in an unseen realm and creating in the seen realm. So when God decides this is what we're going to do, they're, they're in perfect confidence. That same confidence the Trinity has in itself, now he gives to you. But you, your faith is not in yourself. Your faith is in that community. Your faith takes you out of yourself and into God. And you can't have faith unless, unless it rests on the revelation that God reveals about himself. You do not get to choose what you put your faith in. That's important in our culture because a lot of people are simply adding Jesus to their spirituality. When the foundation of this whole thing is, you need me. No negotiation, no, no like, well, you know, like, you know, I'm going to try this. It doesn't work like that. I, have a, I, I talked, to him, about, I talked to, uh, about him last night. My friend was in college. He's, he's an exceedingly brilliant man. Very, very brilliant man. And he was in college his freshman year, and he had somebody, these group of friends, they were telling him about Jesus. And he thought anyone who was born again is stupid. Literally, that's what he thought, because he's such a brilliant guy. He said, no one would believe that foolishery. And so, but the Lord began to deal with him. <laughs> Get this. See, it's like a woodpecker. You know this. You're an evangelist. You just keep, Amen. you know, you need Jesus in your life. Jesus loves you very much. And they, they could be cursing you, but in the inside, that thing's working because the yeah. word always works. Yeah. Yeah. You have unsaved relatives. I, I told, I got a brother. He thinks he's not going to get born again. I said, you just got a problem. You're in the wrong family. I got a covenant, and I got a word that my, me and my household shall be saved. So I don't pray that he, you know, I don't pray that he gets hurt or anything like that. First of all, I pray he doesn't get anyone hurt, but I, I, I do pray, God, Keep him miserable till he gives everything to you. Lord, just make him miserable at every turn. Let him not be able to do anything right in life unless he gives his life to you. I grew up classic Pentecostal, so we didn't play with that. He'll get the love stuff later, you know. <laughs> A little justice. <clears throat> so he's on his dorm bed first night, and he says, God, I want to serve you, but I don't want to be dumb. That's what he told God. I like that. I like honest people. Yeah, I'd rather people just tell, I say, how are you doing? I'm struggling. I'd rather you say you're struggling with different things than go, yeah, I'm doing great. But you're dying on the inside. So he hears the voice of the Lord because the Lord will respond. He said, no deal. See, he doesn't negotiate with you. He will not negotiate with you. Next night, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready to get all in. He said, deal. It's important to know that true biblical faith rests on God's revelation of himself, not what we decide about him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But it, not only that, it takes us out of ourself and into God. How do you know when you really have faith in something, you're willing to stake your entire life on it. Mm -hmm. 
humanity can properly utilize the gift of faith by choosing to place their faith in God. Romans 10, verse 9, famous scripture. For if you confess with your mouth, and notice too that in Jesus' teaching on faith, he connects what's in the heart with what you say. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart. So, so what is that? However the gospel comes to you, whether through a person, whether through a dream or something, it's this unseen reality that usually comes in a hearing form. And, and, and that, that hearing form is that what you're hearing is sealed in eternity. God has done everything in this world for everyone to get born again. So if I leave here tonight, I went to Pizza Hut last night. I, I can't eat a lot of pizza. Got to watch my figure, but I love pizza. The Lord Jesus, I love pizza. That tasted good pizza last night, Gary. That was good. Maybe we'll go again. Don't tell anyone. I'll have to work out a little longer. But that work on the cross is sealed in eternity. You hear it. You encounter it. It comes in a certain way. You can't see the reality of that work. But when you go, Jesus is Lord. What's happening? You're coming into agreement with an unseen reality. You're believing in your heart because you don't think with your mind, you think with your heart. That's why when you die, and I always think this fine, well, they look nice, they're dead. I never understood that one. They look real, they just look so beautiful. No, they're dead. They're not there anymore. That's just a shell. You're believing an unseen reality, but it's true in every way. And when you believe that, your heart grabs around it, but your mouth confesses that. And when you confess that, you can have an experience with, 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 with that which is unseen that changes your life forever. That's why the unseen realm is bigger than the seen realm. So we emphasize, too, that we come into the kingdom of God by faith and most people, most evangelicals, yes, I know I can't do anything to get saved by faith. But they don't realize, see, and this is also important for the Western believer. Your, your entrance into the kingdom was not meant to be an intellectual exercise. If you can be talked into the kingdom with your mind, you can be talked out when things go the other way. It's a heart, deep connection with God. Your entrance into the kingdom defines how you are supposed to live in the kingdom. You come in by faith, not on your own strength, and now you are to live by faith just like Jesus in complete dependence upon him. But here is the beautiful thing. Now that you're not your own, everything that you would ever need, everything, has been sealed in eternity because Jesus said this, as my Father has sent me, so I am sending you. There you go. The apostolic commission, the sent ones, to know that we are not our own, but we are now seated in heavenly places. You've been elevated. Though you're here upon the earth, you are now seated in heavenly places, and how do you access everything he has for you? By faith. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to beg for it. And here's the other thing is, you don't have to wonder if God is in you and for you. 
I'm after this thing. I don't know how it got into the body of Christ. Even with Pentecostals, they talk to God like it's going to a casino. They put their coin in. They put their prayer in. Help me. And they go, I hope it works. Maybe he'll help me. Maybe he won't. He said he would. And he's with you. The privilege of the Christian life here upon the earth is to see the Lord Jesus Christ in every situation you're facing right now. That is a gift from God. The gift from God, John 3. He's speaking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says to him, what do I, what do I need to do to inherit this kingdom you're talking about? Oh, you got to be born again. How do I become born again? He's like, I've already been born once. And he goes, well, you're born of the spirit. It's born of the Spirit. And then he says, unless one is born again. What did he say? He cannot see. Another part of your divine privilege as a believer is to see the kingdom of God. To see reality from God's perspective. To see the world differently. To see God in every one of your situations. And that'll keep you from ever getting depressed all the days of your life. It really will. I've never talked to God about anything, even when I've really messed something up. I've never, I've never heard him go, ah, you're on your own with this one. I've never seen this one. This one's a big one. Our lifestyle is an indication of our belief system. The origins of our faith define how we are to relate to God. Faith is the master key to unlock the life God intended for you upon the earth. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, for what? We live, oh, it's up on there. That's King, New King James right there. NIV is this, for we live. We live by faith, right? And not by sight. Then he says this, 1 John 5, if you want to read it. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who has begotten him. By this we know, this is the epistle of John, not the gospel of John. By this we know that we love the children of God, that when we love God, we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. When you're in love with someone no, no sacrifice is too big. You, 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 got, you, got to, you got to realize something's a little off in your thinking if you're thinking, can I do this and still be a believer? No, 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 no. You don't want to think like that. You want to stay away to anything close to hell. That's what John was saying. He said, his commandments aren't burdensome when we love him. And then he says this, for whatever is born of God, how many are born of God? You can raise your hand. Give me a little, this is you, overcomes the world. And this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. What the original manuscript actually says, your faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, your faith. See, this is where it gets even better. Because if you cannot receive something by faith, then here's the really good news. You know what the good news is? You don't need it. If you can't receive it by faith, 
If you gotta, if you gotta fight your way to do it, if you gotta rob somebody to do it, you don't need it. Everything you have need of has already been sealed in eternity. The finances you need, the land you need, the favor you need, it's already sealed in eternity in the kingdom of God. Now, here's some characteristics that are important about the subject of faith. When you walk by faith, important way of how we learn this, we don't have faith that causes us to understand. Excuse me. We don't understand and have faith. Let me say that again. We don't understand and have faith. We have faith that causes us to understand. Most people want to understand it, and then put their faith in it. That's how we learn in this Western culture. We, you know, we, are, we understand a concept. But in the kingdom of God, we have faith that causes us to understand. Why is that so important? Because you will not understand the world as God intends it. You will be unable to properly relate to God unless you understand that faith is what causes you to understand, not understanding and have faith. Now, let's go back to this original place here. Our origins in the kingdom define how we live in the kingdom. This is what we believe if we believe, if, if we are to believe what the Bible says about God himself. We believe, we, we've talked about it extensively already. God speaks the universe into existence. He puts a perfect man, a perfect uh, woman in a garden. He tells them, own the earth, take care of it, subdue, multiply, expand my garden in the earth. Snake comes. Do the wrong thing. Things twist. God still has a plan. He's already prophesying the coming of the Messiah. See, certain things do not happen unless they are spoken. And they don't always happen right away. He finds a man. Said last night, Abram, eventually Abraham. God's funny. Abram is too pucker to tucker, but he goes, in you, I'm going to bring a seed that's going to, that's going to be a nation. Look. Look, see, see, see the stars? That's how many descendants you're going to have. What is he doing? He's giving a picture of where he's taking them. He raises up Israel. They go into captivity. They come out of captivity. Everything he tells them when they're in captivity, within 300 years, they, he fulfills nearly every one of those promises. A renaissance period in Israel's history is the kingship of David and then Solomon. What's interesting about David is David is a prophet, priest, and king. He sees a time where we're not going to need the sacrifice of bulls and goats. It's going to just be the sacrifice of God himself. And what does he do? He creates this tabernacle called the tabernacle of worship. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he pays these musicians to worship God. They're on the payroll. He sees Though he, he looks at his house, he looks, he looks at his, my house is really nice, MTV Cribs. I don't know if that shows around, but it's kind of cool. I like seeing their nice houses. He goes, I'm living in a nice pad. I'm telling you a lot of evangelicals would have had a problem with David because he had money. A lot of money. A lot of wives, too. That's a different story. Sees his house and goes, it's really big. I want to build a house for you. He goes, no, you shed too much blood. But your son will build a house for me. The last part of Solomon's life is spent preparing for his Solomon to build a house to the Lord. 
David is making choices that affect the next generation. I believe even though David obviously made a flawed, many certain mistakes in his life, he understood this. He understood a New Testament value that I believe a lot of believers don't have. It's to live for eternity. Solomon builds this temple. Some people think David gave up to a billion dollars to this temple. When they finish it, the glory of God comes. Renaissance period. Israel begins to stray from the things of God. They begin to turn from the things of God. They don't fully fulfill what God intended for them. But the prophets are still speaking all this time in Israel's history. There's a Messiah coming and there's a better covenant coming. Why? Because things need to be spoken. Now, Malachi, Malachi, depending on you, 400 years of silence in the earth. I'm sure glad I didn't live during that time. Bad time to be alive. The devil thinks he's won. Imagine, he thought he probably won one over on God. And then an angel of the Lord comes to a young teenage girl and says, the one they've prophesied, he's inside of you. She goes, how can this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon the inside of you. And she says, let it be, what? According to your word. And a young teenage girl actually has the Messiah of the world on the inside of her. He's born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Immediately, they come to see him, this child. He grows up perfect, grows up the son of a carpenter. Notice, too, the stigma that Mary carried her whole life. They didn't believe Jesus. You think when she showed up at the temple, they believed her? How are you pregnant? The Holy Spirit. They would have put bad websites up about her if there were. He grows up perfect. Grows up completely perfect. He doesn't go into ministry right away. He's a carpenter. At the age of 30, he picks a bunch of men who most of us would not have picked. They all need deliverance real bad. But he picks them. But he goes out. Notice, too, he also goes outside the religious system. He picks 12 men to follow him, eventually 72, eventually more than that. He speaks like no other man. He does things no other man ever had done upon the earth. People's hearts came alive when they saw him speak. He, the, the devil does not take his life from him. He willingly gives it up. Read the Gospels. No one takes it from him. At any point, he could have said, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. He dies. He lived to die. The beauty of Jesus. He doesn't just Hollywood die. Got to emphasize, sometimes I think in the body of Christ, we kind of lose the significance. He is absolutely dead in every way. But he comes alive. And he appears to his disciples. He breathes upon them. For, for a number of weeks, he teaches them concerning the kingdom of God. And he says... All authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. He says it to 11 guys on a mountain. He says, and before he leaves them too, he goes, before you can do that whole commission thing, wait till you receive power from on high. It takes faith to believe that. But it's not understanding in faith. It's faith that causes you to understand that. That's how you come into the kingdom, and that's how you're supposed to live in the kingdom. Look at Hebrews 11. 
Back to Hebrews 11. But without faith, I'm reading out of the Amplified now. <laughs> By faith that is with inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power and the wisdom of goodness God, we understand that the world, the universe, ages were framed, created, put into order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So he tells us, we have faith that causes us to understand, not understanding that brings faith. When Jesus came to this earth, when he began teaching about this kingdom, he began to say this, repent, change the way you think. Repentance is a gift from God, isn't it? I know you got some people telling you weird stuff, you don't need to repent anymore, your mama. <laughs> I thank God I get to do it right now. I can get it right now before I stand in front of them. I can have that gift to change the way I think. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus pointed to the mind of man as entrance into the kingdom of God. He says, change the way you think. Change your belief system. Because if you don't change your belief system, there's a kingdom that's here that if you don't change your belief system, you will be unable to inherit. And this kingdom is an internal kingdom. It's an internal. This is how Jesus taught about this kingdom. Well, let's look at John the sixth chapter. This, will, this gives us insight into the very heart and the message of Jesus. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? This is a fascinating question. So they are concerned with how do we do what you are doing? How do we do the works of God? How do we produce the works of God? And notice that and, and it's not any, there's not anything bad about it. Notice he doesn't say, here's the five-step prayer model. This is what you got to do. You got to fast and pray on Wednesdays and Thursdays. He points to their belief system. It says this. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. This is the work of God. That word there in the original language, believe, is interchangeable with faith. This is the work of God, that you might have faith in him whom he sent. Biblical faith finds expression in our behavior. It actually expresses the nature of God. Now, this is where, this is where it gets really important for us in our walk with God. We do not become as God intends by changing our behavior. Really important. We do not become as God intends by changing our behavior. Rather, we agree with who God says we are today and behave accordingly. Our walk in the kingdom is not behavior-based. It's belief-based. You ever go, I don't want to do that, I'm not going to do that, and you do it more. Why? You're focused on the wrong thing. That's why it's important to discover the nature you're living from. So, if you're angry, if you have an anger issue, if you have an addiction, you don't go, I need to change my behavior, you need to receive, what do you do? You receive freedom today and addiction is broken. 
If you have an anger issue, you receive the peace of God. You receive something and you displace the behavior that you're manifesting. How does that begin? It begins on an, inter- an internal reality. Here's how Jesus put, put the kingdom of God. Or, or we'll look at what the Apostle Paul said first. First Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May, you, may, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is important because when you get born again, unless you get a miracle... If you're bald, you are still bald after you get born again. If you're still a little bit overweight, you are still a little overweight, barring a miracle. The outside does not change. What happens? Your spirit becomes completely born again. And that spirit is supposed to dominate every part of your life from that moment forward. And just like Adam was educated by the voice of God. Now you have the privilege of being educated according to the voice of God. But you'll watch here. When Jesus teaches about the kingdom, he speaks of internal realities. He does not speak of external things. This, one of the things I've learned walking with the Lord, it's important to repent for thoughts because then I won't have to repent for behavior later. Why? Because he's saying what is on in here defines what is out there. You know, when we tell somebody, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to say that. What we really need to say is, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean for you to hear what I really think. (laughs) This is how Jesus put it, Luke 17. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom would come, he answered and said, the kingdom does not come with observation, nor will they say, hear there or see this, for indeed, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So this points us to a very, the, the, the foundation of our walk with God. Goes back to the book of Genesis. When you come into the kingdom, you get a new nature. You are born again. You are completely righteous. You will never be more righteous than the day you got born again. You are at the place of complete love and acceptance with God. This is where it gets really good, though. Just like we said, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are our community. They invite you into that community. That's why you are now in Christ. Paul would put language on it, like 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, what? He is one spirit. So you are invited into this community. It is a community that Jesus modeled in John the third chapter. He says, to, he says to Nicodemus, no one has ascended except he that descended, which is the son of man who is in heaven. Wait, 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 wait hold on. I would say, hold the phone on that one. Jesus is saying, I'm in heaven, but he's standing with Nicodemus on planet earth. What's he saying? My perspective of the world is from a heavenly perspective. That's why he tells us we're seated in heavenly places. So you, you walk in this fellowship. And, and th- that's the brilliant thing about God. He, I love when God called me. He didn't tell me how dysfunctional I was. It's true. You see it in the Gospels too. He doesn't go to Peter. He, he doesn't say, you know, follow me. 
Well, we talked to your wife earlier today, and we know you got a real potty mouth. He just, what, what, what's he doing? He's saying, if you commit to the process of walking with me, I'll deal with all the issues. And I'm taking 100% responsibility for all the issues. Right now, as you are, God takes 100% responsibility for you if you're in Christ. And you can, grace gives you the ability to love yourself even while you're still changing. This is a beautiful thing. Hi, my name is Abner Suarez. I'm made in the image of God. I'm expressing the image of God. A few weeks from now, I'll be a little better expression of myself. But right now, I love myself and I love, I love the process that God is doing inside of me. Here's how Jesus, when he taught about the kingdom, emphasizes internal reality. You've heard it said of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother shall, shall be in danger of judgment. You know that, you notice there too, that anger is an unseen reality. But if you got anger in your heart, he goes, you're just as guilty now. Why? Because that's a violation of who you are in God. And whoever says to a brother, Raka shall be in danger of counsel. But whoever says, fool, you shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, there remember your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on your way. At least your adversary deliver you to judge you. Judge you, hand over the office to be thrown in prison. Assuredly, I say to you, by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. I don't know why I'm reading that, but... Uh, forgive everybody quickly. <clears throat> so important. But here he says it again. He points to how the kingdom works. You've heard it said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery. Where? where? In his heart. What is he doing? He's judging an unseen reality. But he's saying, if that is going to exist in your heart, eventually you're going, to, you're going to commit adultery, so I'm holding you just as liable. But here's the powerful thing about that. I've given you the power to be set free from all those internal things. That's why I can hold you accountable for not living in that. Here's some characteristics of faith that play into this. Faith is a place of divine exchange and conversion. Faith gives you the ability to no longer participate in this Babylonian system, but to learn the kingdom of God. Now, this is where it gets even better. Faith brings you into the freedom of no longer being governed by the five senses, but from the mind of Christ. Most people, or many believers, still live from the realm of the senses. They give according to what's in their bank account. They respond if it's convenient to them. Why? They're living out of the realm of senses. They're still trying to take care of themselves. That's why it's so important you establish that principle in your life that you were not created to take care of yourself. You are not your own. You're under authority. And he will hold this responsible for everything he's asked us to do. And when we stay, and here's the other beautiful part of it. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are 100% committed to you. But because they're committed to you, they will hold you responsible for everything they've asked you to do because they've given you the power to do it. That's right. 
I was, I was thinking about this. I can't stay when I stand and everyone will, everyone will do it. Everyone, will, everyone in this room will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. And you will give account, not for what you did, but for what he called you to do. And I can't, I, you know, I jokingly say, I can't imagine me, Jesus, you forgot to tell me. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. I forgot to tell you that in 2018. We're not holding that one against you. Faith sets into motion our future as God intended. Faith anchors us in the superior world of the kingdom. Faith anchors believers to live from the kingdom, not trying to obtain the kingdom. Faith is birthed in the inward man. Faith is not of the soul or of the mind. The renewed mind operating in faith has the ability to affect the mind, the will, and the emotions. So when you come into the kingdom, you came in through that measure of faith, and part of God's master plan is he expects that faith to grow. Do not read the Gospels. Jesus actually judges people's faith when they walked on the earth. He said big faith, small faith, little faith. But here's a faith objective. It's found in Matthew, uh, the eighth chapter. This is a faith, you know, in education... You know, when, when you take a class, let me take college class, right, high school, some of my high school classes, at the beginning of the course, they'd have these, this is what we want you to learn when you're done. Here's where I believe God wants to take us in our expression of faith, is a centurion soldier. Fascinating stuff to me. He's a centurion, and he's, he's obviously a Gentile. Jesus was not called to the Gentile. He came what? To the Jew first. That's why it was so earth-shaking when he told them this gospel is going to be for everyone. And the centurion soldier comes. My servant is sick. And Jesus goes, I will heal him. Notice, too, that this man understands the authority of the word, and he understands that Jesus doesn't even have to go to his place because the unseen realm will move and change what is in the seen realm. He goes, no, 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 Jesus, don't come. Every time I, every time I think about that story, I think, I'd make him come. I'd get the Instagram picture. I'd maybe do a little Facebook, like, Jesus is here. He's going to heal. <laughs> and he says, he says to him, he says, don't come. I understand authority. I'm a man who has people under my authority. And when I speak something, what is he doing? He's using a natural parallel. He goes, I understand that when me as a mere man speaks a word to the soldiers under me, it's going to get done. I understand that you are the son of God. And I understand if you said something, I can take it to the bank. And what does Jesus do? Jesus goes, I have not. Yeah. He marveled yeah. as I pray that, Lord. Let me, let me have you marvel at my yes to you. A, a, a mere Gentile man makes the son of God who was perfectly, did everything perfect, marvel at his faith because he understood the power of the word of God. I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. So your faith is meant to grow. Grow and grow and grow. How does, how does faith grow? I'm glad you asked me, Pastor Brian. How does faith grow? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> faith grows within the context. So we've said many times, you have to make it a settled issue. Matthew 6, 33. You'll never understand the kingdom of God 
if you're still trying to hold on to certain things from this world. And it, you know what I've learned? It's, not a, it's, it's, it's a one-time decisive decision, but you got to make it over and over again. I've learned that. I do it almost every week, maybe every two weeks. I write it in my journal. God, with your help, I will seek your kingdom first. I will choose not to lean on my own understanding. I will choose not to define you by what I know, but I will choose to follow your voice. If you read Matthew 6, he talks about the things of this world. He talks about the cares of, of, of having enough and all these different things. And he goes, you don't have a lot. He goes, that's just unbelief. He goes, I, just, I take care of the animals. I'm going to take care of you. And then he says this. He gives us the antidote to all that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all, he doesn't say it's unimportant. He knows, he knows you got bills to pay. He knows you got that. But here's the thing. He goes, I got that all taken care of for you. I need you to trust me. That's why he teaches us a double-minded man can receive nothing from the Lord. Here's where it will become challenging if you don't put God first. Let's say you're in a meeting like this or you're just here on a Sunday morning. I don't know where you go to church. Maybe a lot of you come here and they go, we are going to have a men's breakfast or whatever it is. And the Holy Spirit, or we're going to meet on Saturday. The Holy Spirit says, you need to go to that meeting. You don't ever go to, the, you go to that meeting. I got something for you there. And so you go, okay, I'm going to go to the meeting. And you know what happens? You don't ever work on Saturdays, ever. But on that Saturday, they put you on the schedule. But at your job, all you got to do is tell them, I'm sorry, I'm unavailable. It's that simple. But you have another problem. Money's tight that month because you've been tipping God. You don't have the assurance of an open heaven. So the enemy has legal access to your stuff. So then you go, and then you can find biblical reasons why you shouldn't go that? Well, you know, a man's got to take care of his family. That's true, but you know you need to be at that meeting. So, see, you got to settle that issue too. Am I going to take care of myself? And see, see a, lot of, a lot of choices that we'll have to make aren't really choices anymore when you put God first. It's just a settled issue. No, God said to go. We're not going to work. Not going. Not going. Because what? Faith without works is dead. Faith will find its expression in your lifestyle. So a fruit that you've put God first is that you have an intentional fellowship with God. No one can have a relationship with God for you. And this... It grieves me that many believers never come to experience the joy of walking with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your best friend for life. And within that context, your faith was meant to grow. But here's, here's the other part of it. Part of walking with God is they don't want you to have situational faith. They want you to have relational faith. What is situational faith? 
in, in the movement I'm a part of, we're particularly good at focusing on equipping people, how to move in the power of God, gifts of the Spirit, prophesy. I've seen people move powerfully in miraculous gifts in a meeting. Literally, people come out of wheelchairs as they prayed for. Then after the meeting, we're eating, because that's what you do as charismatics. Some of you look hungry tonight. And as we're eating, you'll say something like, you know, you should really go for that. You should, I believe God's called you to do that. And they go, oh, no, that's just so much money. There's no way we could do that. What's happened? They have developed a trust in God in one area. They've learned how to, how to cooperate with God in one area, but they, they don't see God in that next situation. The same God who gives you the power to move in miracles, gives you the power to prophesy, is the same God who supplies all of your needs. So the goal of God is not situational faith. It is relational faith where, as the centurion said, God, you can do anything. So here's what happens. We want to make a decision to seek God's kingdom first. We want to make a decision to fellowship with God, to have a fellowship with God. No one can have a relationship with God for you. You don't want feeding tube Christianity. What's feeding tube Christianity? Where the most that you get out of God is through the lips of someone else. You hear about what God can do, but you've never tasted yourself. So we're in this kingdom, and and one of the things that happens is when you have a relationship with God, you seek his voice. Listen, When we seek God, we hear his voice. It's a fruit. And don't believe that propaganda. Don't believe that that you can't hear from God. In fact, one of the starting places is, I hear God's voice. I listen to your voice. I'm governed by your voice. Because you told me I could hear your voice. My sheep, what? Know my voice. And they follow it. So when people go, oh, I I don't hear the voice of God. Most people do. They're just not adept at discerning it. So don't lie. How does God want to educate us now? And how is faith built? Faith is built within the context of relationship and we're in this unlimited kingdom. We're walking down this path to inherit everything he's given us, not only here upon the earth, but also making choices to define the world around us. But here's part of the challenge. I don't know if you've noticed it. When we come into the kingdom, we come in with certain experiences, certain traumas, certain things that have defined us. And when we he- often, when people hear the voice of God, we hear it and we filter it through our culture, we filter it through our lenses, and we try and define God that way when he simply wants us to receive what he said and learn to think from that place. Very, very important. One of the things I ask myself, and it's a simple question, it sounds very simplistic, but how much of the Bible do I really believe and do I really want to see in my life? Because to really walk this thing out, what I've learned is it takes a really, really, really courageous person. Because he's made you a warrior. Here's how the Apostle Paul says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, increasing in the knowledge of God. When he says that, it's not an option. He wants to increase you in the knowledge of God. 2 Peter 3, verse 17 and 18, 
You therefore, beloved, since you know beforehand, beware, lest you fall from your own steadfastness and being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but grow in the grace of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 4, verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word, every word, every word. What is he doing? He's reinstituting what he established in Genesis where Adam was governed by the voice of God. So we come in with these experiences, but then Paul would teach us, according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And we have, we, we have two gifts which work synergistically together in the kingdom of God. One gift is the mind of Christ. According to uh, 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind of Christ. And faith in the mind of Christ work together to develop our belief system so we don't just do the impossible once, but we do it over and 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 over again. So as we walk with God, we'll hear his voice. It is, it is exceedingly important to honor the word of God. Your ability to honor the word of God defines the fruitfulness you will have for God upon the earth. And what he does is, we're walking along with him, he speaks. Out of that speaking, he wants faith to come. But faith must receive what he says. He's educating us according to the knowledge of God. And the, the, the first part of the development of faith is go, yes, Lord, I receive what you just said. Because it's exceedingly important. If you don't receive it by faith, it's possible it will be stolen from you. Here's how he put it. He teaches us this in Matthew 13. <clears throat> Won't read the whole thing, but we'll read, we'll start in verse 18. Whenever I listen to somebody teaching the word of God or I'm listening to a teaching, usually at night when I'm just getting ready for bed, I'll just listen. I just want to listen. I need to listen. Listen, 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 listen. Because Abner translation of Romans 10 verse 17 is faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing again. Because what I discovered walking with God, I don't know if you've discovered this. We'll look at the importance of receiving things by faith. But I can go, yes, Lord, I receive it. But my mindset hasn't sufficiently changed to that belief system yet. I've received something by faith, but it's just come in as a seed. So I need to hear it over and 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 over again. And I know my thinking is starting to change. And anytime I think of that situation, I think of the prophetic word I've given. I think of the scripture that I put in there because it what begins to flow out of my heart. Anytime I see something contrary 
This is contrary to what God has said. It comes out of my heart. No, this is what God has said. No, this is what God has said. No, this is what God has said. Why? Because we're focusing on the unseen that is eternal to define the seen realm. But the key part is receiving it by faith. So anytime I listen, sometimes I'm in other conferences, I'll hear teaching. And I, you don't have to get like me, but you should posture your heart when you hear something that you know, you know the Lord is speaking to you, or, or you know is applicable, or you know causes you to change. You're thinking incorrectly. Sometimes I'll just stand up. I said, Father, I receive, I receive your word from this man or woman of God, because I can't let a moment go by where I don't receive the word of the Lord. And I believe that any time in a meeting, whoever is standing up in this sacred place is speaking for God. I see people all the time. They might not even know it, but they're dishonoring the word of God. Some will say, hey, why don't we lift our hands? And they just sit there like this. Not recognizing the word of God in a room. Not recognizing, not honoring the word of God in a moment. Therefore, this is Matthew 13, 18, and you can read, I encourage you to read the whole chapter because Jesus speaks extensively of what happens when the word of the kingdom comes. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not, now we say that faith is what causes us to understand, so I don't think it's a distortion of it. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't wrap their faith around it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. And what happens too is that God, in the context of walking with him, he gives us truth in degrees. And he gives us truth in degrees and he gives us the gift of faith to respond to what we're hearing. Why? Because he doesn't just unload everything on you at one time. 20, over 20 years ago, the Lord spoke, just implanted this thing in me. You're going to go around the world. This is what God's called you to do. This is what he's made you to do. This is, this is it. I had no idea how, how that's going to function. I had no idea how that was going to open doors, anything like that. But what happens is, what it starts as a seed in faith. It is an unseen thing, but my ministry, I didn't realize it. I might have started it... Uh, would have been seven, eight years later, but, but my ministry started the moment I said, yes, Lord, and then I walk out this process of relationship with him where he begins to teach me, this is going to be a strength in your life. This you'll need to seek. You want this to function in your life? And there are certain things that will come more natural in your calling. Prophetic gift is much more natural to me. I had to really pursue breakthrough for healing and things like that. But as you steward it, the seed of that begins to grow, and it's a learning process. It's a learning process of walking out this thing. But this, the, the beginning of that is when you hear it, you go, Father, I received that word. That's why when you read the word, I encourage you. It, it's not necessarily about how much you read. It's what you receive in that moment. Now, this is also where this is really important. Your current experience or lack of experience or your past will wage war about what you are hearing from heaven and it will try and define you by your five senses. What does that mean? You, you know, uh, 
She sees my life, you know, freshman in college, Lord's like, you're going to go around the world, you're going to do this and this. Nothing changes the next day. In fact, everything goes the opposite direction. So what's he trying to do? You know, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he goes, hey, where's, how's that calling going? Worldwide ministry, huh? Yeah. Why? Because he's a sensory devil. You read in Scripture. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow. You praise the Lord, I'm blessed. I'm going to be prosperous in every way. You leave there, and the enemy goes, you're broke. You got no money in your bank account. What's happening? God is trying to teach you how to define your seeing realm by what he said. He wants you to be moved by what he said, not by what you see. Thank you, Lord. So, revelation and the gift of faith work together. But revelation is not sufficient. Having information is not sufficient. It is wrapping your faith around it. A lot of people know certain things are true, but they never wrap their faith around it. There's a very interesting um, situation. Are you still with me? I know I've gone a while, but I've come a long way. And I've never been here. And you're hungry and you're listening, so praise the Lord. I'll finish when God tells me to sit down. I have no interest in going late, but there's a flow here tonight. It's not about how long you can go, but when we're breaking into certain things, we've got to stay the course. But there's a very interesting thing that happens when David shows up on the scene with Goliath. And what you'll notice, too, is that David has no prophetic word to defeat Goliath. That's another thing. Yeah, it's good to have a word, but sometimes you don't need a word. What's happening? His belief system's defining it. He also has the written word of God because God told him no uncircumcised. How do you know David is is a man of the word? Because every time he talks about Goliath, he goes, no uncircumcised foe will stand in front of me. What did God promise the nation of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy? No uncircumcised foe will stand in front of you. Sometimes you don't need eight different confirmations. You just need what God said. Listen, I don't need a prophetic word for God to tell me I'm going to be prosperous. I don't need one. It's in the word. I don't need a prophetic word to tell me I should be raising the dead. It's in the word. Certain things I don't need to pray about. He's already made up his mind of what he's decided on that subject. But there's a very interesting part that happens there, and it's this. David shows up, and he sees Goliath, and he, and he, and, and he, and he, says, he says to the guys there, notice too, all these guys are trained for battle. Fascinating stuff. They're in the army of the living God. Charismatic translation. All these guys go to prayer meeting. Some of them been in the Bible college. Some of them been to big conferences and buildings. And Benny Hinn laid hands on them. They blew the shofar. Some of them had card that Peter Wagner said they're an apostle when he was alive. We missed, we lost one. I love Dr. Wagner. But what I'm saying is these are not rookies. These are supposed to be mature people. But there's something that happens. David goes, what is going to happen to the man who defeats? What's happening there? They have knowledge that he does not have. 
And what's fascinating is they're telling him what's going to happen. And he goes, oh, it's pretty good. Notice, too, your choices matter. He goes, if you can defeat Goliath, you get the king's order. She's a good-looking girl. That's good. Second thing is, your entire house is exempt from taxes, and that's really good because Saul taxes more than Bernie. And he doesn't just ask him once, he asks him twice. What is he doing? He is getting a vision of what it's going to look like to see Goliath defeated. They are giving him revelation that he does not have. They have the same information, but they are not moving in faith. What are they doing? They're looking at Goliath and going, he's a champion. No one's ever defeated him. No way. He's seeing something from God's perspective. And if you notice something about that story, the entire time David speaks about Goliath, he speaks to him. But here's the thing. He keeps speaking to him, but so does Goliath keep speaking. And Goliath does not stop speaking until he's dead. The only one that didn't know Goliath was dead was Goliath. He's also trading on the promise of God. What do you mean he's trading on the promise? Sammy the prophet told him he's going to be king. He's not king. Guess who's dying that day? What's he doing? He's trusting the word of God. One of the things I've learned is really, really important is this. Is that, especially in, in our time right now, we, there's so much Wonderful information. All of it's good. Like you can just go on YouTube and 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 five steps, you know, to healing. Five steps to a better marriage. Five steps to a joy. you can find. There's so much good biblical teaching out there. But what happen is what hap- what happens often is believers become schizophrenic in their development. What do I mean by that? And they're hungry, and it's good, but they don't channel or they don't focus on lessons that God is trying to teach them. I've learned walking with the Lord, I don't change the subject if he hasn't changed the subject of what he's teaching me personally. And sometimes it's a little challenging because I stand in front of people week after week after week after week after week after week, and, and the Lord will give me other messages and won't let me share them. I go, God, because I, I, I know I have a very good memory. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know, before I, I really gave everything to the Lord, I would forget everything. I'd lose my car keys, everything. I can tell you things now that happened eight, nine, ten years ago. I was with my friends in Cincinnati. They said, I don't know how you remember all this. Yeah, it's good or bad. (laughs) What happened? I'm learning that when you walk with the Lord, he renews your mind to think like he intends you to think. So I've learned I don't change the subject. But here's what happens. Believers are hungry. So one week, maybe they go to a healing conference with Randy Clark, and the next thing they're going to be, they're going to be the next healing evangelist. I'm going to be the healing evangelist. And then they listen to prophetic activation the next week, and they're going to be a prophet the next week. Forget about being healing evangelist. I'm going to be the next prophet of the Lord. I'm the prophet of the Lord now. Usually, too, it's a sign that they really haven't understood their identity in God. 
They're trying to find it in a gift or a ministry or different things like that. We got to settle the issue. We're loved by God no matter what. And that what we do for him does not define us. He is pleased with it. He, he enjoys it. But if the public ministry ends tomorrow, are you, can you be satisfied in God? I'll be honest. I, don't, I, don't get my, I enjoy teaching, but I don't get my kicks out of teaching. And I've learned this, never to be that impressed with yourself. It's not like, you know, I, I do. When I get sometimes in my room with the Lord, I say, you know, that was good tonight. You obeyed me. That's, that's wonderful. But I don't think he's up there with, the, with, with Gabriel going, listen to that. We've never heard that before. <laughs> that is brilliant teaching. Write those down. <laughs> but just, you know, it's all like, we're just expressions of gifts of him. Any, you know, never believe that anything that you do for God or express through God ever originates with you. You'll really mess it up if you think it originates with you. Paul put it that, or every, they knew this stuff. They said, John said, it, the, the, the forerunner, he said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him by God. Every good and perfect gift comes what? From God, in whom there's no shadow of turning. In him, through him, to him. That's why everything he's asked us to do is a gift from him. So what I, what I encourage believers is this. When God is teaching you about a subject or trying to really cause your belief system to be like his, don't change the subject. A number of years ago, I was doing a conference with another brilliant man. And as I was sitting there, it was so ministering to me. The Lord said, I want you to listen to this series over and over again. And I want you to not stop listening to this man because he has something for your life. I'm still listening to it because why? I know it hasn't sufficiently changed my thinking yet. I haven't sufficiently apprehended those truths. I haven't sufficiently allowed it to go deep in my heart. And every time I listen to something, I go, oh, I need it. Okay. Oh, yeah, I thought I got that, but I didn't get that. And often we think because we've heard something once, we got it. Be very, very careful too when you hear a certain ministry or a certain person, oh, they say the same thing over, well, maybe you need to hear it again. (laughs) Be very, very careful of that stuff. I think if they're speaking the word of God, I need to hear what they got to say. So let the Lord go deep inside of you. Listen over and over again. You know, this takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But you know what? You're in the army of the Lord. Personally, even the last year and a half, two years, I, I just be honest, I, the Lord can't trust me to watch Fox News. I got to spend two hours repenting for the things I think. So now I just listen to the word of God. It's true. I'm not lying to you. I'm an honest man. So now instead of presenting temptation in front of me, I just don't put it in front of me. (laughs) I don't have to think bad thoughts. And it's been helping me. Been going to bed. Not arrive, but I'm letting my belief system get changed according to his image. Grow in the knowledge of God. And one of the things I pray, I said, spirit of truth, you said you would guide me into all truth. So show me areas 
That's why I was talking about making sure or, or allowing the purity of the Lord. Because often we've had experiences, we've had trauma that when we try and step out and do things for the Lord or believe God for certain things, that little voice to the enemy goes, you failed. You tried that two years ago. Or, you know, your friend tried that. Look how they messed up. Look, they're bankrupt now. And so we have to deal with all these things that come to the surface, all these concerns. that When fear comes to the surface in my life, I said, Lord, where's this coming from? Oh, remember this back here? You still haven't been sufficiently delivered of that, so give me that part. Deliverance is an ongoing process. It's complete in him, but as we walk with him, he, there's layers and layers and layers to this thing. This is a beautiful thing to walk with him. You know, I look back like even five years ago, I said, was I even born again? Faith must always find expressions in our actions. I'll close with two things. Thank you for being patient tonight. Like I said, I'm not trying to go long. It's just we're on a mission here. I was in, I'll tell you, these two, I'll tell you this story. We'll look at one scripture and we'll land the plane. I was in uh, South Africa about six, seven years ago. And I'm running one morning. Amen, because you don't look like this overnight. Lord <laughs> Jesus, you got to work the word. <laughs> Faith without works is dead. And by the way, I have never used any performance-enhancing drugs. Scott is my witness. So you can have a body like this and never have to add any foreign substances to your body. <laughs> I know you were wondering, but it's possible. <laughs> But I'm running one morning, and I'm thinking, Western traffic. But they drive on the wrong side of the road there. So I'm running, and this huge dump truck, I'm crossing the street, and this huge dump truck comes my way. I see it at the last minute, and I think to myself, this is how people die. No, I'm serious. I thought, I'm dying. It's like slow motion. And... I would not have, if I had died that day, it wouldn't be because God needed an angel. It was because I didn't look both ways. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you that I did something spiritual, like said Jesus, or, but I screamed like a woman. I said, ah! You know? <laughs> didn't say Jesus. No tongues came out. And this huge dump truck like grazed my elbow, and I'm thinking, I'm dead. Nope still in Cape Town. I'm thinking, how did I not die? And he finally realized after he, drive, he keeps driving and he realized there's a little man from New Jersey under this, like it was huge. Like it's one of these things where you need a, a ladder to get inside of it. And he pulls off the side and he looks at me like, are you okay? I'm good. All I had was a little grace. So I, I run back to this hotel type of thing I was staying in. And Maybe like an hour or two later, I'm just kind of laying in my bed talking to the Lord. It'll get you thinking about eternity. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says to me, he said, you know, if you would have died today, you would have been with me. I said, yes, Lord. I believe that. 
And it was like, in like 20 seconds, my whole life flashed before me. And I remember that when I was in Sunday school, I was about four years old. And the pastor's wife, you, there's never a small yes to God. You know, you, you guys remember, they, some of you grew up in the church, they had the, the stick figures, right? The figures and the board and things like that. That was cutting edge for my time. And then came the VCRs and, you know, it was, yeah, it's big stuff. So she says to us, she says, do you know that we've all made mistakes? And I knew I did because my mom told me. But the good news is this. We don't have to live in the results of our, our mistake the rest of our life. Jesus came to earth and died for every one of us. He died for our sins. He died because he loved us. And if we ever die, or when we die, we will be with him. And I remember as a child, that sounded right to me. And I received Jesus in my heart as a child. And I knew something came inside of me. The seed of that truth came inside of me. That to be absent from the body is to be present with God. But here's the other thing. In my home church, not only did I know that as a kid, but we said that every Sunday. I don't know if you grew up in a church like I did, but we said that every, we were classic Pentecostal. So we wanted to go to, we wanted to, go to heaven more than we wanted to live. You know, I'll fly away, oh Lord. But it was like at least every service we would say something about going to heaven. Hey, bless God, you're getting beat up by the devil, but hey, we're going to heaven one day. <laughs> That's how I heard it as a kid. So I remember hearing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So I've never doubted that if I die, first of all, I've never died, so I'm not nervous about dying. What's happened? Something that I have heard has defined my belief system all the days of my life. And it's, a tr it's so true to me, I think I'm going to live a long time. But if, God forbid, a tragedy happens, I know I'll be in paradise with Jesus. It's also important, then, what environment you place yourself in. What are you listening to? Because you want to get yourself in an environment that is constantly exhorting you in faith, constantly encouraging you, constantly saying, you can do this, you can do what God said. Constantly causing you to mature. You know, I, it's probably not applicable to anyone in this room. I just don't understand certain believers. They just, they don't say it. Some of them actually do. But most of them are, not, are smart enough not to say it. They kind of like things the way they are. They kind of like, you know, nice service on Sunday. Read their Bible. Hopefully their kids will serve God. As long as they got money for retirement, they'll help out the church and they'll go to, and there's so much more for them. We weren't put on here to come to a service to hear some Bible stories, make our life a little better. You're put on here as a sent one from heaven as a sent one to do. Your hands were created as hands of the impossible. Your mouth was supposed to speak the ways of God. Your ears were supposed to hear the voice of God. Your ears were supposed to fathom stuff that does not exist. 
I have a friend. He leads this network of churches. He's told me he's had people come to his church. They come to him after years of being in his church. He said, Pastor Ken, he said, really? Why? They're honest. I can't believe what they're saying, but they say to him, they said, we're going to go somewhere else. Because when we come to your church, because we don't read our Bible, we hear the voice of God, and we really don't want to change our lives a whole lot more. So we're going to go find somewhere more comfortable for us. At least they're honest. The great thing I told Ken, I said, you're doing a great job. I tell you this, I have not arrived, but I long for realities that do not yet exist. I've seen with my own eyes people come out of wheelchairs. I've seen the power of God moving in the nations of the earth today. But I so say there's so much more for the people of God. There's so much more, so much more that we've never seen. And if I don't see everything God's given me a vision for, I'm determined to make decisions that the generation after me will live in my choices. Because if they step into things I've prepared the way for, I get credit for it just like I lived during that time. Jesus is having this discussion one time with uh, the Pharisees and they said, we're, we're sons of Abraham. We don't know what you're talking about. And they said, he says this. It's fascinating. He goes, Abraham saw my dead and was glad. He received it by faith. And because he received it by faith, he is celebrated just like he lived during that time. Why? Because no believer ever dies. They just transition. That's why it's a beautiful thing when somebody in Christ dies. We can it's, it, it may be sad for a moment. Yes, we'll miss them. But I, I have even friends who've passed away. And I, and I, you know, I think of, I'm going to pick up the phone and call them. And think, oh, they're not here. But I'm going to see them one day. Amen. Let's close with this. Can you, can you bear one more scripture? Well, actually, a bunch. Uh, it's a story, so I have to read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude, this is uh, Mark, the fifth chapter, gathered to hear him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter dies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, this presents us, and you'll notice, I want, want to draw attention to you, that constantly the gospel writer will talk about a multitude being around Jesus. And what you'll find is, I believe part of the reason they're telling us that is, because you're around Jesus doesn't mean you receive what Jesus had to give you. But you probably knew what he said, you might have been a partner in his ministry, but you never fully received what he had for you. This is how powerful faith is. Now, a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years had suffered many things from physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, he came to him and the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28. Now, Matthew's version of this story in Matthew 9 
it says, she, that version says, she said within herself. She said within herself, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. What is she doing? She is articulating Romans, the fourth chapter. She is calling things, be not as though they are as they are. She said, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And when I'm putting my faith in Jesus, I, I know I'm healed. I'm not healed now, but I'm putting my faith in it. It's a done deal that he's going to do it for me. Notice too, there's a multitude around him. And one man is setting what Jesus is about to do. I want to suggest to you that in that crowd, I've been in crowds, big crowds, small crowds, preaching on a tree, preaching big churches, nice churches, doesn't matter. But in crowds, there's always people with needs. And Jesus does not stop and go, honey, what you going through? What's happening with you? What did you go through that? He's not stopping. What you'll notice about Jesus is that there are times in the Gospels where he goes, I'm just going to do this for you. You're not believing for it, but this is what God called me to do to show forth my goodness. But there's another part of relating to God, and it's this, that no one who came to Jesus in faith was ever turned away. Right. He never said, you know, the anointing's lifted. <laughs> Healing lines over. When they kept, he goes, According to your faith, let it be. Knowing immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, she felt within her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Now, this is where it even gets interesting. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you. You say to me, who touched me? That means... There's a lot of people, probably thousands of people touching him. They're all touching Jesus, but it's only the touch of faith that, elicit, that releases the power of God on his behalf. If you approach him the wrong way, you might not receive what, what he wants to give you. And they looked around to her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened, to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue household and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? This is where it gets real good. Actually, it's, it's the whole thing's good. The whole book is good. But this is really good. What are these people functioning? They're functioning by the realm of the senses. Jesus said, I'm going to go heal her. That's how powerful the word of God is. The word of God will override even the death of a person. It will override natural law because he said he would do it. That man's faith in Jesus to do that, his faith overrode what happened in that situation. Won't read the rest of the story. We know he throws everyone out. They come to him. They, they mock him. They're going, she's dead. He goes, she's sleeping. I'm telling you, to really walk this thing out, you got to have a backbone. For whatever reason, this isn't as even popular with the body of Christ. You have people tell you, you're crazy, you've lost your mind. Yes, I have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. 
But what does he do? He only brings the three guys in with him. What does he do? I'm convinced he brings them in because he, he, he knows, they'll, 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 hey, he can do it. He can do it. And you have to love all people. You have to forgive all people. But not everyone needs to know what you believe in God for. You know, when the angel visits Mary, he goes, by the way, Elizabeth is also pregnant. Takes about two and a half days to get where Elizabeth went. I'm convinced one of the reasons she went to be with Elizabeth is she went to be around another woman of faith. And she gets confirmation. Blessed is he who believed there would be a fulfillment of what God spoke. I will finish. I'll land the plane with this. The woman with the issue of blood, Matthew 9, says she said within herself, what's a good starting place for for walking this thing out? Begin to come into alignment with what God has said about every area of your life. Part of our role is not only receiving, but part of the way we know we receive is we begin to confess. Jesus, when he begins his public ministry, actually confesses the word of God over him. Isaiah 61, Luke 4, what does he say? The spirit of the sovereign Lord has come upon me. What? To preach the gospel to the poor. I want to suggest to you, if Jesus had to confess the word of God over himself, how much more do we? We're going to land the plane right here. About, it's been probably at least eight years, maybe nine or ten. I don't remember. I have the exact date written somewhere. 11, 2007, I believe it was. I had a dream that really helped me. In this dream, it's very simple. Jesus came to me in this dream. He comes to me once. I'm in a, like a circle of young leaders at the time. And most of my dreams are like this. They're very realistic. Jesus came to me. He said, Abner, don't you know you can have what you say? And in the dream, because Jesus was telling me this, I began to explain to him in the dream. Yes, Lord, you know. You know, we've, we've, we've tried our best to live this out. We believe your word. When you told me this is going to happen, I just began to confess the word. And, and we really need to confess the word because you told me I'd go around the world and you'd open a door no man can shut. Yet, the nursing home wasn't inviting me. You better know how to confess the word if all you got is a word from God. I used to think, you know, a little money would be nice to start this ministry, some partners to start this ministry. You know what I, I, I should have I known back then? I had everything I needed because I had a word from God. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you learn some stuff after a while. Hopefully. Learning comes by agreeing. Not how long you've been born again. There's some people, it's so sad. They've been born again 25 years. they still got diapers on. So I was explaining to Jesus in this dream. And by the way, because it's the unseen realm, what happens often in dreams like this, it's very applicable to your world. Just because it happens in a dream, don't, don't dismiss it as not applicable to your life. Joseph has a dream. It applied to his life. What's the unseen realm? In God's mind, it's the same thing. It's the realm of the spirit. Solomon's encounter with God is in a dream. So Jesus doesn't seem very impressed with my explanation. So he comes to me a second time. He's a little more stern. No, don't you know you can have what you say? 
So since he didn't understand it the first time, I'm a servant leader. I began to explain it to him again. I can help Jesus out, no problem. <laughs> so I started explaining it to him again. Yes, Lord, you know, you know, this. He is not impressed. He comes to me a third time. He's never cruel or mean, but it's like he, he like put, it, like put his hands up and says, no, don't you know? And he, sometimes he thunders with his eyes. You can have what you say. Dream ended. I didn't call my intercessor. I did not get out the dream interpretation book. Hey, what do you think this means? You think God's saying something? <laughs> I mean, do you think he, you think he might be saying something? Yeah. And what's very interesting is I had already been moving in that in much of my life. But it was like there was a stamp of going, I'm giving you a key that's going to bring you results for the rest of your life. We will close with this. I will close. This is my fifth closing. <laughs> Forgive me for lying. I'm not normally a liar. Mark 11. See, what I've learned with the Lord is he's constantly going deeper to give you understanding of how a truth operates. Now, on the next day, when he had come out, this is Mark 11, verse 12, he had come out from Bethany. He was hungry and seeing a feed tree far off. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it is not the season for the figs. In response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. So notice that Jesus, in, in uh, verse, 13, verse 14, it says, and his disciples heard it. Notice that Jesus speaks to an object. It's okay to speak to things with the word of God. I speak to everything. I speak to my house. I speak to my luggage, especially when I go overseas, because I don't like wearing the same thing more than one day. I do. One time I saw an angel going with my luggage one time. I said, you will go where you need to go. I don't care if you're even on my flight. You're going to make it. I'll see you. God bless you. May you go with the blessing of the Lord. When I bought new vehicles, I talked to them. I said, you will never break down on me. You have been given to me as a gift from God. So I thank God for it. I'll never fall in love with you. I'll enjoy it, though. But you are a gift from the Lord to furtherance the work of the gospel. Had a, I bought a car in 2017, first brand new car I bought. I turned that car in last year with 275,000, 70, almost 76,000 miles, close to it. Drove it off the lot with seven miles. They never broke down on me. It's a testimony of the Lord. Why? Because it's God's car. The Lord told me, he said, this car is going to last a long time. Talk to your kids. Don't say what the enemy's doing. In the name of Jesus, they're coming into the kingdom of God. You know what I do for unsaved relatives? I said, Lord, give me insight into their destiny. What is it that you ca called them to be before the fact? So I just begin to pray that. God, they're creative. They're a gift to the body of Christ. They're a gift to the, to the nations of the earth. The enemy loves for you to say what they're doing. Oh, they're just acting like they're doing. They will. Oh, they will. They'll do everything you say. 
So verse 20, now in the morning as I passed by, they saw a fig tree dried up in the roots. And Peter remembering said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God or have the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says. Notice he doesn't say beg the mountain to move. Just says speak to that mountain. He's already given you a word that destroys that mountain. Be removed and cast in sea and does not doubt in his heart. Not talking about your head. Everyone will have those thoughts. It's not going to work, all this stuff. It's casting down every vain imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But believes those things. He says, he will have, 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 he will have. That's why he says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. He will have, he will have whatever he says. That's what Jesus told me. He will have whatever he says. So I encourage people, look at the area. I have a prophetic word for everyone here. There are areas about your life that God wants to change, including myself. So put areas in your life, areas in your family life. What is the, the, the problem? In the other column, put the promise of the Lord. And every day, you start your day, you go, God, this is what you said. Some, it'll take some time. Sometimes you've got to look for the promise of the Lord. But there's a verse, or there's a, you, I have prophetic words, I got things, but usually I just put that verse, this is what you said, God. This is what you said. This is what you said, God. About a year ago, I was reading, it said, Abraham was blessed in all that he did. And I said, well, wait, wait, hold the phone. The blessing of Abraham's on Abner's life. So Abner is blessed in all that he does. I say that almost every day. Thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed in all that I do. Thank you, Lord, that I have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I'm never overwhelmed by anything. Thank you that I receive peace. Lord, the ministry is yours. It's all yours. I can't do things to make this thing work, so I trust you, God. You are Lord over it all. I just work here. So I trust you today, God. And this is what you said. And the other thing I do, I encourage couples, join your faith together. A lot of times when I'm praying for people, I'm, I'm just always, always asking the Lord. And the Lord will just say to me, they're not in agreement. This one wants to do this. This one's not convinced that it's God. Ooh. That's not very exciting when you tell people that. Hey, who's guys got to get an agreement? We use that concept with our intercessory team. We do everything through prayer and supplication. I'll come. It's good to be around people fail. I'll say, say to my leader, I believe that this is what God has spoken. So this is what we want to declare for the next three, four, five, six months, sometimes years. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have it. Believe that you will receive and you will have it. Believe that you will receive when you have it. Believe that you receive and you will have it. I was mystified by that verse for many years ago, and I don't fully say that I understand it all, but this is what I finally understood. How can I believe I receive it if I don't see it? Finally, the Lord gave me some insight. 
I can believe I've received it because I spoke it. Because he told me I can have what I said. And some things I've waited years for. But I said, Lord, this is what you told me. This is what you said. Some things took a few weeks. Some things took a year. Some things took two years. But I'm learning. You can have what you said. Before I ever had an assistant, I had this little chair next to my home office. And I would look at that chair. I said, Lord, thank you for the right person being in that position. Had somebody work for me. I think she worked seven years for me. We transitioned to someone else last year. And she was faithful to serve the ministry. She served the ministry like it was her own. Why? Because we could have what we say. And so can you. Receive this word tonight. If you receive this word, why don't you just lift your hands? Yeah, let's just pray in the Holy Spirit for just a moment. Father, Father, we receive your word tonight. Father, we receive that word and we stir up the gift of God within us. We stir up that gift within us. Father, let the let the let the people of God and let the church arise in this region in the name of Jesus. Let the people of God and let the church arise in this region, Lord. Now let's just let's just pause for a moment. Let's just receive from the Lord. I saw earlier tonight when I was preparing, I felt like I just saw this oil from heaven that he would release upon us. And some of you will feel like an oil in your hands. Some will feel like oil in your ears. Some of you will feel like a fire in your heart. And there's an impartation that God is releasing tonight of the word of the Lord. And I see Jesus in this room. He's anointing certain eyes. And he's anointing eyes to just see from his perspective as never before. There's also an angel of the Lord just lifting off burdens, weights, worries. Receive his peace tonight. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There's a healing anointing in this room too right now. Some, something with somebody's hip. The Lord is putting somebody's hip back into alignment. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Arthritis, be healed in Jesus' name. Issues of blood, be healed in Jesus' name. 
vision problems be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yeshua, your healer, heals you. Back of somebody's right knee, be healed right now, in Jesus' name. Gary, I see like fire being put in your mouth in this season. It's fire to speak to your mountain, but it's also fire of an anointing that's coming upon you from this day forward. It's fire to speak. I see like when your mouth begins to speak what God's put on your heart, it will be like a net of evangelism. And the Lord says, your, your mouth will be used to draw the lost. The, 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 the sense I have, it's like Peter on the day of Pentecost, that when he, uh, when he spoke, it cut to their heart. And the Lord says, you're going to cut to the heart with the love and the kindness of God. And when you speak, I see scales will fall off. Gary, I believe there's a commissioning tonight. And I believe, Gary, the Lord is saying there's an anointing coming upon your life tonight to minister to the multitudes. But you've been faithful with the little and there's coming an increase. I believe I see you ministering like in the stadium gathering. Healing coming. And God is giving you the word of the Lord for the nation. I believe it's Britain. And today, the Lord says, tonight is a night of divine shift. Tonight is a night of divine shift. And I see Jesus, he's standing in front of you, he's touching your ears to hear and eyes to see. Ears to hear. Eyes to see. And there's this angel Lord just pouring oil all over you. Fire. Oh, thank you, Lord. I bless you. I break you free by the authority God has given me from everything that's tried to hold you back, every entanglement of the enemy. Every word of judgment that try to come against you. And now I free your mind to think as God intends as never before. And I break the voice of the accuser of the brethren in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you look this way for a minute? I, I, I really am thankful that you, you stayed to listen to the word of God tonight. Part of it's your fault because you were hungry. <laughs> no, but I said last night that we're on an assignment here. And I'm going to sit down here in a minute. But uh, tomorrow night, um, I'm going to lay hands on everyone in the room. It'll be a time of ministry. There's a call of God upon my life. Sometimes I do it every session. I just haven't felt released to do it that we were just establishing more of a teaching foundation. But 
The Lord spoke to me in uh, 2005 in Mexico City that I'll go around the world and lay hands upon people and release the glory of God. And uh, an impartation of the gifts of the Spirit, things like that. And I'm just going to believe God tomorrow night. That I, I'm going to lay hands on everything that moves. Your dogs, your cats. And people, when I said that, they have. They brought their cats. And I don't... I, I said I would, but I don't really want to with the cats. <laughs> the dogs, I'm all into, but uh, the, the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men, and that's true in my life tonight. You're the great men and women that God is calling in the earth for such a time as this. Thank you so much. Bless you.